Home and Garden Radio podcast number, gosh, we're up to number 11 already. This is the one where we talk about pesticide safety. Home and Garden Radio podcast is the podcast version of our live Saturday show that's heard on stations all across the country on the BizTalk Radio Network. It's time to talk gardening and all things botanical. You're tuned to the Home and Garden Show with Michael Crose. Hello, neighbor. Michael is a fun-loving family man who knows all there is to know about plants. <laughs> I'm a genius. He'll talk about outdoor plants, indoor plants, pest control, water gardening, pruning, grow lights, fertilizer, you name it. We're on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. Call Michael now, toll free. This is exciting, isn't it? And now, here's Michael Kroos. Do you have German cockroaches in your house? Hey, this week's edition of Home and Garden Radio is brought to you by the good people at HelpIHaveBugs.com. That's HelpIHaveBugs.com. HelpIHaveBugs.com. And welcome to this edition of Home and Garden Radio. My name, well, they already told you my name. All right, let's start the show off with something fun and interesting, but it maybe it's not fun and interesting. I got a book that I like <clears throat> that came in the mail this week, and uh, it's but and I'm going to give it away. Well, wait, wait a second, I'm going to give it away if it'll fit into one of the envelopes that I have here. Let me check this. Yes, I, I it will fit. I am giving this book away. Stick the envelope over here for a second. Uh, but here's the other catch. I will give it to you if. And only if you, A, live in Florida, or B, know somebody who lives in Florida, and you can give me their address to send it to. And the first person who emails me and requests the book, that's it, the very first person to email me and requests the book gets it. How's that? Can I be any fair? But it has to be somebody in Florida. Why does it have to be somebody in Florida, you ask? It has to be somebody in Florida because it's a Florida book. And let me tell you what the book is. And you know what? I think it'd be an interesting book for anybody, but it is a book about Florida plants. It's Florida's Edible Wild Plants, A Guide to Collecting and Cooking by Peggy Sias Lance, and uh, who is a local author. Uh, and uh, I, I went through this. There's no press release in it, which is really strange. They just sent me the book, you know, and I guess hoping that I would talk about it. Uh, but I found it to be quite interesting. I was actually quite taken back by it. it you know, I thought it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it is a guide to collecting and cooking. Uh, let me read through some of the chapters here. Have a wild time. The plants to eat from A to W. I guess there's nothing in a Z. The cookbook section. What not to eat. That's very important, <clears throat> you know. Uh, oleanders would be a good thing not to eat. Uh, final words, acknowledgments. So it's not a big book. Well, actually, it's not that small. How many pages is this? It's like, oh, do they have page numbers? 150, 145 pages, something like that. It's a good book. Uh, and it is by uh, Seaside Publishing. And I will give it away to the first person who emails me and asks for it. But the only catch is you have to have a Florida address that I'm sending it to. So if you've got an Aunt Gertrude 
who lives in St. Petersburg and you and you're listening in Fargo and you want to send this to your Aunt Gertrude in St. Petersburg, you give me Aunt Gertrude's uh, name and address and I'll send it to her. I'm not going to send it to Walla Walla, Washington. I'm only going to send it to Florida because it's a Florida book and I'm not going to send it. Yeah, but then again, maybe you're a winter resident of Florida. See how easy I am to get along with? Maybe you live in Maine in the summertime, and I don't blame you. What a wonderful place to live in the summertime. Uh, and you have your winter residence in Florida. Well, then this book is for you. All you have to do is tell me in the email, you say, hey, Michael, I live in Sarasota in the winter. I want the book, and I'm going to believe you. If you're lying to me, uh, little spacemen are going to come to your house in the middle of the night and, uh, and mess up your carpeting. That's all I can say. And it's a foolproof method of being honest. I know this. So if you want the book, it's relatively simple. All you have to do is be the first person to email me with your name and address, hopefully a Florida address, if not a Florida address, an explanation that you live in Florida or, you know, or, or, or maybe your cousin Fred is coming to Detroit to visit you next week and you would like to have the book to give to him when he gets there. Okay? I'm easy to get along with. So be the very first person and I will send you this book. I haven't given away a book in a while. And uh, mainly because the books I'm getting are too big to mail. You know, I'm not going to spend eight bucks to mail a book, a free book. This will cost me three or four bucks to send it, you know, uh, the, the, what do they call it? Media mail. So I'll be happy to do that. But, and it fits in the envelope. So I'm, I'm sending this to you. If you are the first person to email me. So feel free to email me. Be the first person to do so. And life will be grand. And we shall have a, you know, you'll have a wonderful, but it's a pretty cool book. I don't eat wild plants. Maybe I should. Maybe I should, maybe I should eat wild plants. By the way, I got a uh, message today, indirectly, from, that one of my stations thought w was mad. One of the stations, and I, and I don't know which station it was, was mad at me because I spent too much time talking about non-gardening things, and I sounded mad. Am I mad? I'm not mad. I'm happy, and I know it. You know, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Clap your hands. If you're happy, and you, never mind. Uh, but anyway... I'm sorry. Uh, I do talk about gardening most of the time, but sometimes I go off on rants because why? It's four o'clock in the morning when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on the East Coast. And if you're listening to it on the West Coast, what's that make it? You know, one o'clock in the morning when you're, you know, on your way home from dancing? I don't know. Or if you can't sleep. So, uh, you know, I sometimes go off on rants. But today we're going to talk mostly about home and garden stuff. We are going to talk about some home issues today, home home repair issues today, because I saw a couple of things that I found interesting. I, I made a, a trip to Lowe's this week, and I found some stuff. And then I, I want to talk about my favorite store. And I don't know if these things are everywhere, but I went into this place, and I just found out that one has opened down in Palm Beach, in Palm Beach Gardens. It's called Harbor Freight. Now, I live in Clearwater, but Palm Beach Gardens is where I would like to live. And I just found out that one opened there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be, as you're listening to the show, I will be in Palm Beach Gardens because 
I'm recording earlier in the week and because I'm going to be in Palm Beach Gardens for the weekend. And uh, I'm so excited because my girlfriend and I are going to Harbor Freight in Palm Beach Gardens on Saturday, which would be today. We, we, were, we are going to the, you know, Harbor Freight store. And they sell all kinds of tools for stuff that you want to do around your house, and they sell them cheap. And I just bought at, uh, at my Harbor Freight, I went in to buy some rubber gloves is what I went in, you know, because if I mix things, you know, mix chemicals and stuff like that, I like to wear rubber gloves. But I don't, I buy the disposable uh, nitro five millimeter thickness uh, gloves, and I find those work really well. And they're, I tell you what, if I'm doing any kind of work where my hands are going to get dirty or greasy, I wear those gloves. Or if I'm mixing herbicides, I do not mix anything without having gloves on my hands. Sorry, been doing this a long time, and I would encourage you, you know, if you go to Harbor Freight, they're cheap. I bought a box of 50 of them for not much. It was, it was cheap. But, uh, you know, if you're mixing any kind of, of chemicals for your lawn or for your home or, or anything like that, I highly recommend this. So I went to Harbor Freight to do that. And as I'm wandering through Harbor Freight, because when you go to Harbor Freight to buy anything, you always look around. And I needed a new backpack sprayer, and I was going to go and buy a solo backpack sprayer. They're about 120 bucks. And the last one, my last solo backpack sprayer, I had for nine years. So it didn't owe me any money. It was a good sprayer, but then it died, and it was just over with. It was time to replace it. So I was going to buy one. As a matter of fact, I was going to buy one that day. I was going to go to Home Depot and, and buy one. And I'm in Harbor Freight, and I walk over, and I, and I also wanted a one-gallon, an extra one-gallon poly sprayer. And I saw that they had them on the wall. I walked over there, and they had a one-gallon poly sprayer. It looked nice. But next to it, they had a four-gallon backpack sprayer. Guess how much it cost? It was $29.95. I said, well, it's got to be a piece of junk. It, you know, $29.95. Well, then I sat there and I thought about it for a while. I said, if I got a year out of it, it won't owe me any money. And I really need one. And I don't have time to go to Home Depot. And I have something that I would like to use it for today. So I don't know why. I just bought the thing. Took it out, threw it in the back of the truck. Off I went. And I, you know, got to where I could put the thing together. Well, I put the thing together and I filled it up. And I got to tell you, the quality of this thing was outrageously good. I called my buddy Ralph. I told him about it. He said, why didn't you pick me up one? I said, because I figured it was a piece of junk, but it's really great. And it has all these different tips. I use the fan tip on it, but it, it has other ones. And it just looks like it's very well put together. Now I'll let you know if it lasts, but you know, I've used it about three times since then. And it's wonderful. And I picked up a one-gallon poly sprayer. It was like $9 for a one-gallon poly sprayer. That's cheap. That's good. We will continue in just a moment. Have a gardening question? Well, this is the Home and Garden Show. Now, back to Michael. Yeah, it's uh, back to Michael. <clears throat> Excuse me while I cough into Mr. Microphone. Yeah, I can do that. You know, I'm skilled. I am totally skilled. I can also adjust the volume. 
Zach is not on the other side of the double bulletproof glass today. I am pushing all of the buttons myself. So what can I say? Now, if I can just carry on a little bit about what I was talking about at the end of the last segment when I was talking about going to Harbor Freight and buying the backpack sprayer, but what I went there to buy was the nitrile gloves. And the reason I bought those is because I mix a lot of pesticides. During the week, I probably mix pesticides six to eight times. It could be Roundup. It could be any type of insecticide, be it a natural insecticide or a chemical insecticide. But I mix insecticides many times. And I'm going to tell you something. Pesticide safety is extremely important. And I like myself using disposable nitrile rubber gloves. There's other options that you can do. There's rubber gloves that you can wash. I'm not going to do that. Um, I just, I did it in the past, but I prefer the disposable. You use them one time, you throw them away, you know you're not going to get infected later by pesticides. It just seems a safe way to go. And I want to talk a little bit, if I can, about pesticide safety in, the, in this segment. I witnessed something in Tampa which truly amazed me. I was looking at some plants at a house over there, and next door, someone was building on a Florida room. For those of you who don't live in Florida, uh, a Florida room is a family room. In Florida, they call it a Florida room. I don't know why. They just do. It's kind of cool. But uh, they were building it on. That's, you know, and they had just set up the forms to lay the foundation. And one of the things that happens in the South, and it should happen in many parts of the country, is called a soil treatment, a preventative soil treatment for termites, you know, for termites. And there was a company out there, a guy came out there, had his hose dragged back there, and he was getting ready to spray a pesticide on that soil. It was probably a 15-foot by 15-foot slab that he had to spray pesticides on. But on the yard on the other side of that, was an aviary where people had birds that they were raising, and it was an outdoor aviary, and they, they had birds. And I have to tell you, I was so impressed with this pest control guy who came out there to do the soil poisoning. He decided he was not going to spray the termiticides on the slab because the drift from the spray of the termiticides could come over and harm the birds. It was a really cool thing for him to do. And I saw him take five-gallon buckets, and he would put the pesticide in the five-gallon bucket, and he was pouring it onto the foundation. Now, it probably took him 10 times longer to do the job this way, and nobody was telling him he had to do this, but he just made the decision that the safety of those birds was more important than you know him just coming out there and getting a 10-minute job done in 10 minutes. And instead... It took him, you know, an hour and a half, almost two hours to get that job done at the rate he was going. And I went over and talked to him, and he told me why he was doing it. And I was very impressed. It reminded me of when I was at uh, my girlfriend's house, and uh, she had drain flies. And we initially thought to go out and get hot shot, no pest strips, a one hot uh, shot, no pest strip and hang it in her kitchen to eliminate the drain flies. Well, she has got a miniature parrot named Mr. Echo who lives in the house. 
And I thought about that. And the active ingredient in the hotshot no pest strip is something called DDVP, which is a pesticide that is volatile that travels through the air. I decided then that was a bad idea. We would figure out another way to deal with her drain flies rather than putting something that could harm the bird. So pesticide safety, as I was saying, is extremely important. Let me take a sip of my of this terrible stuff I'm drinking, this green tea that my daughter has me drink. I got she says it's good for me. Hang on. Mm. Ah, gives me energy. But anyway, uh, one of the things I notice when I lecture homeowners and also when I lecture professionals is that pesticide safety is not at the top of a lot of people's list. And one of the things I have noticed, especially when I'm speaking to groups of homeowners uh, out there, is they do not follow the directions on a pesticide label. For a lot of reasons. If a pesticide label says use two ounces in a gallon of water, for whatever reason, and I wish this wasn't the case. I really do. I wish this wasn't the case. But people think, well, gosh, if two ounces is good, then four ounces or six ounces is going to be better. Well, here's what you're here's what's happening when you do that. Okay? When you make that decision that it's going to be better. Well, number one, it's not going to be better. Because the pesticides are designed to work at the rate that is on the label. And I guess I should go into a little bit of detail about that. But I, and I will in a minute. But I want to tell you that when you double or triple up that rate, the pesticides do not work. Because it will not enter the, pest, or the insect or if it's a herbicide, it will not enter the plant to do the job that it's supposed to do. It just won't work. So that's problem number one. And the reason for that is that pesticides, when they are created, literally millions of dollars of research go into knowing how much of an active ingredient is necessary to do what is needed to be done. Be that kill a bug or control a weed or end a disease in a plant. And when you use more than what you're supposed to do, Generally speaking, well, it just doesn't work. And now here's the bad thing that you've done. You've put an overabundance of pesticide in your environment. And when I'm talking about your environment, I'm talking about your environment, where you personally live, where your family lives, where your pets live. And this is never a good thing where your wonderful plants are at. This is never, ever a good thing. The other thing I want to talk about is when people mix pesticides. You know, you've probably heard me on this show for a long time here lately talking about how wonderful these pre-mixed pesticides are. And they are primarily for safety reasons and also primarily for effectiveness. And I tell you what, we're going to, what time is it? Uh, we got a little bit of time. Uh, last year, I got a bunch of stuff uh, from the, uh, what was the company? I sent it all up to Mad Dog for him to use and for him to test out. And I'd be real interested. Maybe I'll have Mad Dog on the radio sometime and we'll talk about what he thinks of these things. 
but you get a one-gallon sprayer, and you get these little cartridges that go into it, and it has a battery-operated sprayer to it. Well, more when we come back. Back now to the Home and Garden Show with Michael Gross. Once again, here's Michael. Continuing right here on Home and Garden Radio, uh, talking about, well, kind of spending some time talking about pesticide safety today. And, uh, you know, I was talking a little bit about those pre-mixed uh, products that are out there. And there are several brand names out there uh, that you can now buy. You buy the one-gallon tank that comes with it. It looks like a one-gallon jug. Uh, and there's a little thing that you hooks onto it with a sprayer with an electric sprayer on it. And there's these little cartridges that you can get. And they've got cartridges with weed control materials in it. They've got cartridges with nutrients in it. They've got cartridges with insecticides in it. And I'm really happy about these things. Now, I played with them a little bit last year. uh, And I'm pretty happy with them. You know why? They're mixed exactly right. That's a good thing. So it's going down at the perfect rate. So you can't mess it up. I like that part. You know, here's the other part I like about it is the safety aspect of it. Your hands are never touching an unmixed chemical because the product is stuck right into this little gun. You just click it in there and make it go click. And then when you start spraying, it sucks the water up and puts the active ingredient in there and mixes it together for you without you ever having to touch it. So that's good. That's a big pesticide safety issue for people. So you don't have to think about it. You pay a little bit more for these products, but I think they're well worth the money. I really, really do. I think they're well worth the money. And uh, I sent a bunch of these things up to Mad Dog up in Michigan to try out. And I'll see if I can get him on the show and we'll talk about this sometime and see what he thinks of them. Because I think, you know, I think they're wonderful. And I'm dying to know if he's tried them out yet and what he thinks. But if you are going to mix chemicals, and, you know, a lot of people use a lot of Roundup, which is a controversial subject, I know. Everett Farnell, who's been on the show before, he told me the other day, he said, oh, I fired my lawn man because I found out he was using Roundup. There's a lot of people who hate Roundup right now. Well, they hate Monsanto because of all of the GMOs and all of this good type of stuff. I'm not going to talk about that today. I will talk about Roundup and say that a lot of people use it, me included. I used it this week uh, on my fence line. And I think Roundup is a safe, I think glyphosate in itself is a safe product. And I've used glyphosate for many, many years since it's been on the market. And I've seen the studies that were required by EPA. I've seen other studies, and I've never seen any study that tells me that glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, is unsafe. Now, we can get into a whole discussion about Monsanto creating corn seeds that produce a strain of corn or soybeans that are glyphosate resistant, thus changing the, you know, the whole concept of the corn and the soybeans and making them totally unnatural. We can get into that discussion another time. 
But Roundup in itself, lots of people use it. I think it's safe. I really do. I've, I've seen no evidence that it's not. And if you have evidence that it's not, come on the show. Bring your evidence with you uh, and make sure that it is real evidence. But, uh, you know, a lot of people mix their own Roundup. I never mix Roundup unless I'm wearing nitrile gloves. A lot of pesticides that are on the market today, though, if you read and follow the label directions, and the professionals are, are having to do this, not only does it say to wear the gloves, but it'll say to wear eye protection. Very smart thing to do. I wear glasses, so I'm, you know, I have eye protection right there. And a lot of the labels state that you should wear long sleeve shirts when you're mixing and even using the pesticides. And I have to tell you, if you look at big companies like True Green, used to be you would see the True Green guy out spraying the yard with a short sleeve golf shirt on. And he'd be spraying the yard and he wasn't wearing gloves. You don't see that anymore. The True Green guy or girl, okay, man or woman, are wearing long sleeve shirts. They've all got gloves on and they're being very protective. And I applaud that. I also applaud the long sleeve shirts for the skin protection, the ultraviolet light protection with the skin. But, you know, I think getting any pesticide on you, both, by the way, and let me just state, both natural pesticide and chemical pesticide, the more you get it on your skin, it's just not good for you. Okay, and when I say the natural pesticides, I'm even talking about the essential oil pesticides. I think an overabundance of that stuff getting on your skin is not good, just like I think that getting an overabundance of chemical pesticides on your skin is not good. Okay, I just, I just think that, common sense. When I'm done using pesticides, even though I wear the nitro gloves, I wash my hands. I do. I, I just do. You know, as, when you get older, I, I, and, you know, you, you start thinking about these things. And you really need to start thinking about these things when you're not old. You need to start thinking about these things when you're young so that you can have the pleasure of getting old. It just makes sense to me. And uh, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. I'm a big advocate if you're putting down a dust, even a natural dust like diatomaceous earth to wear some type of a respirator. I always, if I'm using, di and I use a lot of diatomaceous earth in my garden, okay, I, I do, I like it, okay, and I always wear a dust mask when I'm using any type of dust. Diatomaceous earth is one of those. Uh, there's other chemical dusts that I've also used, but I make sure that I'm covering my breathing. You know, you only have one set of lungs and you don't want to mess them up. I've been very smart. I've never smoked cigarettes or anything else for that matter. So I've protected my lungs that way. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Casual exposure to pesticides through your lungs, very, very, very bad for you. So I try and make sure I'm not doing that. And if I'm doing any, you know, a lot of spraying and there's going to be mist involved, I make sure that I wear uh, I, I wear a mask. The mask I use, I have a commercial Agritox mask with the cartridges in it, okay? Because I don't want to mess with my lungs. And I make sure I change out the cartridges and I make sure that I keep that mask clean. 
I'm kind of a fanatic about that. And I always have been. And I've been working in this industry for over 40 years. And I learned from a guy by the name of Jack Hitch, who taught me over 40 years ago about the importance of protection, about the importance of keeping yourself away, even using fertilizers. If you're doing a lot of fertilizing, I'm going to tell you something, the nitrogen uh, and the and the phosphates and, and, you know, all of the things that are in fertilizer, if you're putting them out with a spreader, make sure you take a shower afterwards. Make sure you wash up afterwards. It's really important. It, it really is. When I look at what fertilizer does uh, to the fertilizer spreader, for instance, it eats away at, fertili- at metal. It just does. It just eats away at metal. Well, guess what? It's eating away at you. All right, so make sure you're wearing protective clothing when you're doing that. I use the nitro gloves when I put down fertilizer. You know, those gloves are cheap. Go buy them. They're, they're cheap. You can find them at Home Depot. You can find them anywhere. And, and I use them. When I use a little green hand spreader to put down fertilizer, I put those gloves on. And you know what else I do? I put on a dust mask. I, I do. I put on a dust mask, especially like when I'm fertilizing my shrubs and I'm up close and personal and I'm using that little Scott's hand spreader. I don't want to be, I don't put on the Agritox mask. I'll just put on a dust mask. So I'm not breathing in the particles, the fine particles of fertilizer that are floating through the air when I'm putting that down. It just makes sense. It seems silly to you. Maybe it does. But if you're a gardener, and even if you're just a casual gardener, those dust masks, I pick them up at Home Depot. I pick up a bag of them. For, they're, they're not expensive. And when I'm out there doing stuff like that, I put it on. I put on the nitro gloves. And and that's what I do. And I, I will tell you, I wear short sleeve shirts when I'm fertilizing. But when I'm done fertilizing, I wash up. I get all that stuff off me. As a matter of fact, I usually go take a shower. If I'm doing a lot of fertilizing, I usually, when I'm done, I go throw the clothes in the wash and then I, you know, put them, and then I go take a shower. We're going to talk about washing your clothes when we come back after using pesticides. It's kind of an interesting topic. And I learned an awful lot many years about that. So let's talk about that when we continue right here on Home and Garden Radio on your favorite radio station. You can contact Michael at homeandgardenradio.com. That's homeandgardenradio.com. Back in 1964, when I moved to Florida, I moved to this little tiny town north of Inverness, Florida. It was called Hernando. It was culture shock like you wouldn't believe. But this is where I got one of my very early introductions to agriculture. Because in the summer of 1964, there wasn't much to do in the small town of Hernando, Florida. We went swimming at the public swimming hole on Lake Salapapka. And when we, you know, all the, all the kids that lived there 
would go there and go swimming off this dock, which was, for me, total culture shock because there were alligators. And you had to, before you jumped in the water, you wanted to look around to see if there were alligators. I thought they were kidding until I saw an alligator once. That was kind of interesting. But, uh, and there were water moccasins, so you had to look around for all those types of things. But that was just a little bit of culture shock. But one of the things that happened early on is a guy came by in a truck and he said, I am paying a dollar an hour, which by the way, in 1964 was a lot of money. Okay. I, in Florida, you know, in 1964, in the little tiny town of Hernando, Florida, I pay a dollar an hour if you will come and help us harvest the watermelons. Well, loaded up about 10 of us and we had it out there and we'd get paid at the end of the day. Now, here's what our job was. Guy would go ahead of us with a uh, with a machete and he would cut the watermelons. He would just swat the watermelons off at the stem right there and then the watermelons would be laying on the ground. And a trailer would a guy would come by in a tractor with a trailer and there'd be two guys up on the trailer and a bunch of us down on the ground and we were walking up and we were picking up the watermelons and handing them to the guys so they could stack them in the trailer. And once they got down to the end, there'd be more people down there to get them off that trailer to put them into a truck. And it was down there that a guy would sort the watermelons by size and some watermelons were irregular and they got thrown off to the side. Now, one of the neat things about that is we got to keep all the irregular watermelons, which was, you know, you can have all you want. And uh, we had a little club and we used to uh, just gather up those watermelons and we'd take them around and give them away to people in the neighborhood, courtesy of the Hernando or the Hernando Town Youth Club. Kind of made us look good. But anyway... That's, that's what we did. Well, one of the things that we found out that was going on out there is that they would spray pesticides and fertilizer over the watermelon patch. And one of the things they did is that they would come by and spray before we went out to harvest the watermelons. I have no idea. And, but here's the interesting thing. And I remember this. They sprayed with something called parathion. Parathion, as I learned much later, was a very dangerous pesticide. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you mix parathion, uh, if you got a drop of the original material on you, you would die like very, very quickly. So it was very, very dangerous. And they would spray. Now, by the time we got out there and started hauling things, it, the spray had dried up. And technically, we were safe, or so they said. But one of the things that the guy, the foreman there, insisted is that when we were done, that we all went swimming back at the lake. They'd, they'd take us back down to the dock and they'd say, make sure you go swimming and make sure that when your, you know, your mom washes your clothes, notice it was always the mom, but make sure that when your mom washes your clothes, that she washes them separately. Little did I know back then what danger we were encountering. But as years went on and I got into the profession, I learned from a man by the name of Garth Craig, who was an old North Carolina farmer who had moved to Florida and had gotten into this. And Garth was very, very, very strict about that. He said, if you're going to do any fertilizing, and we'd do a lot of fertilizing, you know, we were pushing fertilizer spreaders all day sometimes, or spraying of anything. 
you make sure that those clothes got laundered separately from the other clothes. And in those days, he said, make sure you wash them in hot water. Well, guess what? To this day, uh, not terribly long ago, I was out fertilizing all day. Fertilized my property, uh, fertilized, uh, you know, a friend of mine's property, helped another friend. We, we spent the whole day fertilizing. Okay, this is what we did. And at the end of the day, this is now, you know, 50 years from when I learned this originally from the guy who told us to go swimming in the lake and have our moms wash the clothes separately. And then Mr. Craig teaching me this in 1972, that all of these things should be washed separately and in hot water. And to this day, I wash all of my clothes that I, if I'm out doing fertilizing or insecticide work, I have them in a separate pile. They get washed separately. And my girlfriend gets mad at me about this because she is a wash everything in cold water. But anything that I'm using a pesticide with or a fertilizer with, I wash in hot water. I, I just, and that's just the way I, I don't know if, you know, warm water would work. I don't know if cold water would work. But this is just what I grew up with in this industry, and that's what I do. And, uh, and I wash them separately. I never, never do I ever mix clothes. Anything that I'm wearing, if I'm out, you know, I'm going to tell you something. If you're out fertilizing your shrubs, you're getting fertilizer all over your clothes, okay? I don't know if you want to wash those with clothes that you just use in day-to-day. Just me. But it's been told to me by professionals for years. The people who taught me from that early guy up in the little town of Hernando at the watermelon farm, okay, when they were spraying parathion, I told you, I tell you what, when I told Jack Hitch that they we they used to spray uh, the watermelon patch with parathion before we went out there to harvest, uh, he just said that is the most dangerous thing in the world. He said, I can't even believe that they, and by the way, when we were out harvesting those things, we were not wearing shirts. You know, we were wearing uh, sneakers and shorts, you know, because it was hot. It was Florida and it was 1964. That's what we did. Anyway, I just, once again, cannot overemphasize pesticide safety enough. Most of it's common sense. Always read and follow the label directions. Hey, we'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great gardening week. Uh, Remember about the book. First person that writes to me that says they'll give it to somebody in Florida or they're from Florida, I send it to them. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye.